Gata members, welcome back for another episode of Gata TV. We're entering the most exciting stretch of the calendar for Gata. Just in the next two months, Gata is presenting the following webinars and events. Next week, Gata hosts its Seven Springs Regional Meeting from June 21st to the 23rd in Seven Springs, Pennsylvania. Stay tuned later in the episode to hear from the Seven Springs Chair, Abity Butler Moore, about why this is a can't-miss event. Also beginning on June 21st is the CGA and GATA 2022 Young and Emerging Professionals Summit. This eight-part webinar series will run on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. Members can sign up for individual sessions or pay $50 to attend all eight sessions. Finally, GATA's Northwest Regional Meeting will take place in Stevenson, Washington from July 27th to the 29th. Registration for all of these amazing events is open now. Go to gata.org slash events to learn more about any of these events or to register. We've got a great show lined up for you today, and it all comes right after a word from today's presenting sponsor, Kavanya North America. Kavanya Group's new series High Pressure Regulators for Cutting and Welding Applications offer the highest performance and longest service life in the industry. Kavanya Group, wherever gas is used, we are there. Joining us first today is Phil Kornbluth. Phil is the president of Kornbluth Helium Consulting, LLC. Phil, thank you so much for being with us today. Phil, the industry is now facing what's being referred to as Helium Shortage 4.0. Can you explain what's causing that shortage and how the industry has had to adapt? Yes, sure, Steve. Uh, you know, there's really about five different factors that have contributed to this shortage. There wasn't supposed to be a shortage uh, in 2022 because a large source uh, in uh, Russia that Gazprom uh, was supposed to start up uh, late last year, started up briefly and then they uh, experienced a, a fire in October and then they had an explosion and fire in early January. And as a result of those two incidents, it doesn't look like there's gonna be any production from that source this year. And that source was really going to uh, bring a, a, a large chunk of new supply into the market and folks expected the uh, helium market to have plentiful supply this year. But uh, besides that, the, the the new supply that didn't come in, we've had a number of things that have uh, taken supply out of the market. The most significant of those is that the uh, Bureau of Land Management's crude helium enrichment unit has been down since mid-January, and that's taken at least um, uh, 10% of uh, global supply out of the market. So that's been a pretty big factor. And that plant uh, is just restarting now, so it's been a fairly you know, lengthy uh, outage. In addition to that, a couple of large plants in, in uh, Qatar, Helium-1 and Helium-2 is what they're called, uh, both uh, took planned maintenance outages in February and March, and they removed a significant amount of supply from the market uh, in those months. So uh, those are uh, you know, a couple of the big factors, or a few of the big factors. In addition, there has been a little bit of an impact from the war in Ukraine. Not a huge one, but a little. There's uh, production in Algeria has been reduced somewhat uh, because uh, natural gas that would normally flow to the uh, LNG plants uh, where helium is extracted went instead was diverted to the undersea pipelines to Europe, and helium is not extracted from the gas flowing through those pipelines. So that is uh, an impact of the war, but not a huge one. And then uh, last but uh, last and least, about a month ago, there was a fire at a gas processing plant located in Haven, Kansas, that took about 50 million feet out of the market. So not a huge amount, but 
you know, on top of a, a shorted situation, it was significant. So those are the main main drivers of the shortage. You mentioned that this was an unexpected shortage. Do you know when we can expect the shortage to start to get better? Yeah, I think uh, there's uh, light at the end of the tunnel right now. Hopefully it's not the, uh, you know, the onrushing uh, train. But the BLM is in the process of restarting their crude helium enrichment unit. They have hired Messer to operate the uh, plant for them going forward. And Messer is managing that restart. And uh, the uh, BLM approved the restart on Friday. And from what I understand, the restart so far is progressing well. And uh, the BLM could be putting crude helium into the BLM pipeline within a week. And then they would need to rebuild pressure in the line before they start to increase allocations. But, uh, you know, we could be within uh, two weeks or a little more of uh, having uh, the BLM back in near normal uh, production. You know, fingers crossed if there's no mishaps. I mean, anytime you're starting up a plant like that, you could, you know, something can go wrong. You could find a problem that you didn't anticipate. But Right now, optimistically, middle of June, we could have the BLM back in operation. And that would definitely reduce the severity of the shortage uh, in the second half of the year. Just want to be careful in my, in my phrasing of that. Uh, sometimes when I say the shortage should ease in the second half of the year, people interpret that as saying the shortage is going to go away. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that less severe but less severe is a, is a really good thing after what we've experienced since the first of the year. Why is this helium shortage such a big deal? And what industries does a shortage of helium have an impact on? You know, the, the thing that the public doesn't understand or the, you know, most people on the street don't understand is that uh, while party balloons and the Goodyear blimp may be the highest visibility applications for helium, helium actually has a, a, a lot of increasingly high tech uh, application. So some of the ones that are, let's say, more important, you know, liquid helium is used as the uh, refrigerant for the superconducting magnets that are uh, utilized in MRI scanners. Helium has multiple uses uh, in um, the manufacturing of uh, uh, semiconductor chips. It has, uh, and and by the way, the those are the two biggest applications, probably one, two, or Two one, the uh, MRI demand is actually shrinking while electronic dem- electronics demand is growing rapidly. It's also used in optical fiber manufacturing. It's used in uh, leak detection. It's used in um, cooling at some nuclear power plants. It's used as a carrier gas and gas chromatography. It's used as a shielding gas in welding. So it has a whole uh, host of applications uh, and. Uh, you know, the, some of the important ones are really high tech. So it's a high tech gas it ha- and it has unique properties. So, and, you know, hey, even the party balloon application is important if, you, uh, if you're, uh, you know, uh, a business that depends on party balloons. And there are some fairly large businesses that depend on uh, selling party balloons. Why do you think that helium keeps going through these shortage cycles? And is there anything that we can do to prevent these shortages going forward? Most of these shortages that we've had, and we've had four of them since 2006, and we've creatively, creatively named them helium uh, shortage one, two, three, and four. So, uh, you know, we're not trying to be too fancy there. For the most part, these shortages have been driven by the decline of existing sources or the or outages at existing sources 
or delays of new sources coming online. So uh, it, they haven't been driven for the most part by demand growth. And the reality is that over the last 10 years, there's been very little net demand growth uh, in the helium business. And the reason for that is, you know, there's pockets that are, uh, that are growing and uh, two of the main ones growing right now are electronics and aerospace, uh, which is one that I failed to mention earlier, but also uh, growing an important application. But every time we have a shortage, you know, prices tend to go up and there tends to be some uh, demand destruction uh, caused by uh, price elasticity of demand. And, you know, anybody who's taken an economics course when they were in school has learned, uh, they've had a chapter about price elasticity of demand. So price goes up, uh, demand goes down, and we have had increased recycling and things like that. So we haven't had, we haven't had demand growth, really. We haven't had any net-net. But uh, the shortages have been supply-driven. And uh, in terms of like, you know, what can be done to prevent similar situations in the future, the answer is pretty simple. Develop new sources and additional capacity and uh, increase storage capacity uh, so that there's uh, flexibility in the supply chain when there's an outage so that, you know, when, when a plant goes down, you can uh, bring helium out of storage. Uh, there are now several uh, private storage facilities in addition to the BLM. So Air Liquide has one in Germany. Air Products has, uh, has a storage facility in Belmont, Texas. Lindy is developing a storage facility uh, with a company called Total Helium. And uh, so, you know, those things are all going to help because, you know, one of the characteristics of the helium business, especially as the BLM has declined, is that there is a lack of flex capacity. So when there's an outage, you feel it pretty pretty quickly. There isn't some uh, there isn't any spare capacity to to bring on to replace you know what's gone uh, gone offline. Is there anything else on this topic that you wanted to leave Gauda members with today? I, I think uh, I think the important point is that you know this shortage isn't going to last forever. The market will probably be tight or in or experiencing shortage until the uh, Gazprom Amor source starts up sometime, hopefully next year. And, um, but the shortage should ease later this year. And demand may also be reduced if we experience a recession, which a lot of people think we are headed into a recession next year. Probably not this year, but sometime in the next year. So, um, uh, and then there are a lot of new sources in the pipeline, there's a lot of startups now exploring for helium, and I think there's a good chance that helium supply will be more plentiful, you know, starting around uh, 2024 and maybe for the rest of the decade. So when I say starting around 2024, it's really when the Amore project starts up and achieves reliable uh, production. That would be the, the key turning point to uh, get to where we have more reliable supply. One more thing I would mention is that um, in terms of uh, uh, helium supply, geopolitical risk is an increasing concern. Uh, Russia is not a big supplier of helium at present, but they're going to become one. So there's uh, concern about you know not being over-reliant on uh, supply from uh, countries that might use their uh, access to helium for political leverage. You know, some of the other uh, helium supply is in um, 
oh, I'd say what I'd call bad neighborhoods. So, you know, Algeria is, uh, you know, kind of a, an Arab Spring waiting to happen kind of uh, country. So, uh, you know, there's some risk to that supply. You know, Qatar is the world's second biggest supplier right now, and they are an ally of the West, but they are in a, a like I said, a bad neighborhood. You know, their, their supply could get cut off if there were, you know, a, a war in the Middle East or something like that. So, uh, you know, there's definitely, I think, increased interest in uh, developing more capacity uh, in North America and other, let's say, uh, non-risky uh, geographies. Phil, thank you so much for your time and your expertise. We really appreciate it. Hosts its Seven Springs Regional Meeting from June 21st to the 23rd in Seven Springs, Pennsylvania. Joining us next today to talk about the Seven Springs Regional is GAUTA First Pass President and Chair for the event, Abity Butler-Moore. Abity, welcome back. We're happy to have you today. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be back on GAUTA TV. Abity, can you share with members why you're so excited for this event? One, the attendees that we get. It's only as strong as the people who show up. Um, and we are on track for over 200 attendees again this year, which is fantastic. And two, it's the content, the business content and the wonderful stewardship of the folks that are volunteering their time to present. We're really excited for the take-home content as well as for the networking. You've talked in the past about the difference between regional meetings and national conventions. For those members who might not be aware and are thinking, I already go to the SMC or I already go to the AC, what do I need to go to the regional for? Can you explain what the difference is and why it's beneficial to attend both? The rhythm of GATA meetings throughout the year is really special because where as the annual convention and the spring management conference really hit the high level, kind of the annual convention is that, call it 10,000 foot view of the industry with some macro topics and big picture thinking. And then the SMC is a bit more tactical with take home content and, you know, call it the 5,000 foot level or something. The, the regional meetings really are the blocking and tackling of the local level, the 100 foot level, if you will. And what's exciting about the regional meetings is we meet different members. We meet different layers of individuals within our member companies. So at the Seven Springs Regional, we have 28 already registered for today, unique distributor companies who are going to be in attendance. And those are distributor companies, some of which attend the national meetings, but oftentimes they send a different roster. So it's a different, it's a different roster of folks that are gonna be at the regional meeting. So it's a wonderful way to become kind of further entrenched in each other's organizations by meeting folks that are deeper into the association and closer to the frontline customer. And it's also a way to get content that's a little bit more uh, tactical and take home focused than the national meetings, which discuss bigger themes. You've got a pretty heavy hitting lineup of speakers lined up for Seven Springs. 
Can you give us a sneak peek of what you've got in store? Yeah, we are so excited for this year's speaker content lineup. As with any GATA meeting, the homework is always you have to bring home ideas that pay for the trip, <laughs> right? Those are our marching orders. So there will be no shy content at the Seven Springs meeting. We have our industry keynote, Joe Capello, who is the CEO of Iwatani in the Americas. Um, they're a relatively new player to the U.S. market. So I think the distribution industry is really excited to hear Joe's perspective and get to meet him and his team who will all be in attendance. Uh, we also have Bob Ewing, our GATA president and the president of Red Ball Oxygen. Um, he's going to be talking about stewarding leaders and distribution is his theme. So we're very excited for Bob's talk. And then we have Frank Bach, who is the senior driver safety manager for air products uh, around the country. And he's going to be talking about attracting and retaining CDL drivers, which is if your organizations are anything like ours, um, it is an extremely relevant topic. So we're excited for that business content. And then we also have a workshop and a breakfast speaker this year. So our workshop is Mike Dodd. He's going to be talking about how to survive a DOT audit. Uh, that's a half day workshop and then we also are doing something new this year with breakfast before the reverse contact booth session and that breakfast briefing is with sean coyle who runs a sandler sales training facility in the pittsburgh area and he's just going to be providing some opening remarks um, to members about his theme is why us you know whether it's a distributor in the supply chain or an individual when you're having to deliver bad news kind of this why us theme of how to justify um, your personal brand and your company's brand as a relevant player in the complexity of the supply chain right now. In addition to all that great content, the regional meetings always have amazing networking opportunities. Can you touch on the networking that will take place at Seven Springs? The homework before Seven Springs is to get your business cards ready <laughs> um, because you will definitely leave that meeting with new friends and new contacts. The Seven Springs Mountain Resort property is a ski resort destination in the Western Pennsylvania mountains, and they've done a really nice job of diversifying activities for all four seasons and everything's on site. So the golf course is on site, there's a sporting clays on site, there's a bowling alley on site, there are all sorts of activities right on site, which is fantastic for our GATA regional conference because it keeps everyone together. So it's a wonderful intimate setting where, you know, yes, you're going to be meeting over 200 people, but it's in a setting where everyone stays together and that's really special. The reverse contact booth is a function that's unique to the Seven Springs Regional. Our nearly 30 distributor companies in attendance each will have a table and the suppliers walk the floor. So it's, it's a reverse booth. We literally and figuratively turn the tables and it's a wonderful opportunity for the suppliers to meet and greet multiple distributors all in one place. It's a captive audience and it's really the, the designated time for talking shop and for making new business connections. That's one of the values that we have as GATA members is those supply chain relationships. So we, we designate time for that during the session. We also have a bowling uh, opening networking lunch. We do our axe throwing at the opening party where we have a live band. There is the sporting clays event, which you travel. Seven Springs has a beautiful sporting clays facility where you travel the course with a foursome. So it's basically golf with a shotgun. And then we also do a classic golf tournament scramble. 
So we welcome all skill levels to, to all events. And then we also have a, a closing party too. Um, our friends at Economy Welding are kind enough to host us at their private club. So that's a very special event that happens every year when we go to the Mountain Club um, with our um, friends, the Rosenthal family. So we have a wonderful lineup of content, but it's definitely a work hard, play hard model. <laughs> Anything else you wanted to leave viewers with before we go today? We will be accepting registration on the GATA website up until about a week out from the event. And then that's when GATA headquarters is going to run all the badges to ship the materials to Seven Springs and to us here at Butler Gas. However, we welcome on-site registration as well. So if you go to the GATA website and the registration portal has already been closed, um, any member is welcome to reach out to me personally. My email is just abutlermore at butlergas.com uh, or please just show up at the event um, and we'll get you in. Uh, but if you want to be assigned to a golf foursome or a sporting clays foursome and you haven't already registered via the GATA site, please give me a heads up so I can make sure you're placed in an appropriate group and then we welcome on-site registration. Abney, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Once again, to register for this year's Seven Springs Regional Meeting, click the link in the description below. Ahead of GATA's Northeast Regional Meeting, GATA Media and GATA Executive Director John Ospina got to visit two longtime GATA members and get an in-depth tour of their facilities. One of the members that we visited was Hahn Welding Supply in Syracuse, New York. During that visit, Hahn Welding Supply Chairman of the Board, Mark Hahn, was gracious enough to sit down for an interview with us. We'd like to apologize to Mark and to the viewers at home. Our camera did have some technical difficulties during this interview, so you may notice that portions of the interview are either out of focus or blurry. We felt that the content of Mark's answers was important enough to run even with less than desirable camera work. Once again, we apologize for the inconvenience. Mark, how has being a GATA member had a positive impact on your company? So I, I found out this morning that we've been a GATA member since 1967 and uh, started by my father and the biggest thing that comes, the first thing that comes to mind for uh, the advantages of being a GATA member is the relationships that you build with distributors, with suppliers, with friends in the marketplace, and how helpful that can be to help you s fix problems in your company, because we all have the same problems. And it's good if you can find somebody that's been there before, and that's been very helpful. I can't think of the number of friends they have around the country just from this industry. It's really pretty amazing. How about specific member benefits? Are there any GATA programs that Ahan has been able to utilize that you found to be particularly useful? Two, the, the two things that come to mind first for that is uh, the safety and the hazmat advantages. And there's always something going on in the business that you need help with. And uh, our consultants have been very help, helpful with that. How have you seen supply chain issues affecting the company, and how have you had to adapt to those issues? It's almost hard to adapt, depending on what you're thinking about. Some equipment delays have been two to five or six months, and if you can't get it, you can't get it. 
what we've tried to do to the extent that we can is maybe sell used as far as equipment goes or try to build up inventory to carry us through with the lean times. But if, if it's something that you can't get, you can't get. So that's been hard. And then you've got the consumable side of the business. And sometimes you can try different brands. Uh, sometimes you can't. And sometimes uh, maybe we'll fix instead of replace. So there, there's a number of things that we've tried to, to work through. And it, it seems like each thing is unique on its own and there's not a cookie cut, cutter approach to, to all of that. So it, it depends on what, what you're, what you're uh, presented with and that kind of helps you determine how to fix it and how to, how to overcome it. But it's still a problem today. It's, it's ongoing and I don't know, I've tried to understand why, what causes the, the delays. Of course, we all know about the ships out at sea, but everything isn't made overseas. So for the local things, I think it's people. Maybe, maybe we still, still are, uh, aren't enough people in the industry making things, mm -hmm. and we're all seeing the employment problem. So I, I think that's a big part of it still. How have the ongoing labor issues impacted your company? And again, how have you been able to respond to that? The hardest position that we have to hire for is drivers. And there's a couple of markets that are more difficult than others. Actually, I think about three. And we've had to move drivers around. And you're taking, you're taking staff from a, a store that is already lean and you're moving it to a staff that's leaner or a store that's leaner. So that's been very challenging. And then one example is Buffalo. We had to we were down to one or two drivers out of five, and you got, you got to ship to the customer. They're not happy with you if you can't get to, the, to them when they want you. So we organized a, a plan to move two or three people from other locations to Buffalo to cover that shortage. And Eric's not here today, my, my, one of our co-presidents, because he's in a store east of here covering for shortages. And we have one of our other regional managers that's in another location that's covering. Actually, that's a COVID shortage, but that also is the same location where we're trying to hire two people. And we've only got four in the store anyway. So it's, it's uh, been a challenge in many markets trying to find people. And the, the solution for us has been you can't find temporary people. You have to move staff who you have. Sometimes we bring sales guys in for a day or two to work the counter, say, because they're, it's what they do. And, uh, but again, it's been very unique. I've been in this business for uh, longer than most of you are old probably. And uh, I've never seen anything like this before. Mark, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you having us today. We at the Kiso are the leaders in cryogenic pump solutions, starting with our state-of-the-art manufacturing facility here in California. Nikiso ACD is an OEM cryogenic pump manufacturer that's been designing and building cryogenic pumps for nearly 75 years. When it comes to service, nobody does it better. We have six strategically located service centers in North America ready to help you with aftermarket solutions. Call us for cryogenic pump service, parts or just general advice. We'll help keep your plant running for generations to come. When service matters, we've got you covered. Today's member news segment is brought to you by Anthony Welded Products. With carts, cradles, cages, and pallets, Anthony has a model for every purpose. The IWDC hosts its 2022 Sales and Purchasing Convention in Minneapolis from May 24th to 26, 2022. To see pictures from the event, click the link in the description below.
the Messer Distributor Group also hosted its annual purchasing meeting in Orlando. The MDG meeting went from May 15th to the 17th. To learn more about this event or to see pictures, click the link in the description below. Airgas announced that it had acquired Yakima Welder Supply and Adirondack Compressed Gases. Crum and Forster welcomed President George W. Bush and singer Sarah McLaughlin at its 200th anniversary celebration, which took place on May 19th at Ellis Island. Fronius USA will celebrate its 20th anniversary on June 16th in Houston, Texas. Central Welding Supply opened a new location in Fairbanks, Alaska. Butler Gas announced that Brandon Kiefer will serve as operations manager at its production and distribution hub in McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. Meredith Gas Partners announced that Alan Jesuit had joined the team as Vice President of Product Management and Digital Marketing. Hypertherm announced the recipients of its 2022 Spark Something Great educational grant. To see the full list of winners, click the link in the description below. American Welding and Gas announced the promotion of Brinkley Brown to Vice President of Thoroughbred Industrial Cylinder Exchange. To read more about any of these member news items, or to submit member news of your own, read the full June 15th Gauta Connection in your email inbox today, or by clicking the link in the description below. Gauta Media is the go-to resource for news and information about the gases and welding industry. Through our wide variety of publication platforms, Gauta Media keeps our members up to date on all of the most breaking news, emerging trends, and member events in the industry. Want to get your company's message seen? We have a quarterly print publication, a twice-monthly newsletter, an online buyer's guide, and a twice-monthly news show. If it's happening at Gas and Welding, it's happening on Gauta Media. Want to learn more? Contact your Gauta Media representative today. That's our show for this week. We thank everybody who tuned in for this week's episode. In case you missed it, our July 1st episode will be a special patriotic-themed episode to coincide with Independence Day. If your company has any American flag-themed equipment or trucks, or would just like to include a July 4th message to the members, in the next episode, please send me an email using the email address in the description below. Until next time, for all of us here at Gauda TV, this is Steve Guillermo signing off.